This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us in the Corona Apocalypse. Glad you're back. We are, as always, broadcasting from our luxury digs at the Family Church Office Complex, downtown West Palm Beach. Some of what I said is probably an overstatement. Joining me today, Carly Silman, our engineer, Leslie Bennett, my co-host, and Derek Simpson, one of our pastors here at Family Church, one of my great friends and colleagues, Leslie the Corona apocalypse continues. It does continue. We we're just talking about it before we started the episode. So in Palm Beach County, they issued a you have to wear a mask to go into any kind of store, and so we had you some do. interesting experiences. And it's this ruthlessly weekend. enforced. It's ruthlessly enforced. Yeah. So you have to get your mask on, and then you have to go. You know, they've got directional arrows. So we're taking it seriously. I don't know what it's like around the rest of the country. I know some areas are doing this as well. So you had a good story, Derek, when your son needed a mask this weekend. What'd you do? Yeah, we went to Target. We're looking for a bike. He turned 11. Actually, today's his birthday. He turns 11 today. And so couldn't get into Target without a mask for him. And so I went in and I bought a shirt. We have a baby coming in September. So I bought a like a newborn shirt and I stuffed it over his head and he walked around with that around his face for the rest of the day. It was awesome. I love it. Like 11 year old boy birthday. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. So it's, it's serious and it's very strange. I find it very strange. I think that we will always remember this because it just doesn't feel right. Right. It just feels so awkward to be around other people. Everybody's looking at you. They don't want you to come near them. You know, it's just. Well, if every person is a potential disease carrier, every person is a potential enemy. Yeah. I mean, it it really kind of feels that you feel a little more tension in the store when Mm -hmm. you walk in, like people are trying to like, don't come near me. (laughs) And it is like that, which kind of leads into this conversation we're going to have today. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. So we're thinking about church, of course, because that's what we do at church for the rest of us and what we do here at Family Church. And what's it going to look like when they do begin to lift some of these social distancing restrictions and people are starting to gather again? We don't know exactly what that will be like, but how will we reopen? When will we reopen? Those kinds of questions. So, Pastor Jimmy, what are you thinking? Well, today I tweeted out a bunch of tweets about this, and I've done this several weeks ago as well. So I kind of feel like most church leaders, again, are thinking too optimistically and hopefully about when this is all going to go back to normal, because I don't think it's going to go back to normal for quite some time, certainly not for months and maybe not for longer. And the reason is the way that we have decided to build protocols around around this virus, which you just were talking about a moment ago, the mass is a perfect example. So, you know, right now, if anyone tests positive for the virus, they want to then do contact tracing and go back for two weeks. And Mm -hmm. anyone who was in any serious contact with them over the last two weeks, then they all have to quarantine for two weeks. And if that is going to be the way that we deal with this until they have a vaccine or an effective treatment or until the virus burns itself out somehow, 
boy, this is going to be a rough ride. And so they can reopen as many times as they want. But you think about it, if you reopen the schools, even in the fall, wait till the fall, you reopen schools. But one kid in an English class with 40 kids in there tests positive, they're going to send the whole English class home. Right. One kid on the football team tests positive, they got to send the whole football team home. And so if that is our protocol, I just don't see a scenario where we effectively open up churches. And even if we do, you're talking something like, 50 people or less in a room, all of them wearing masks, standing at least six feet apart at all times, and no one touching anyone. That's not church the way any of us have ever experienced it. Derek, you've thought a lot about this. You're in charge of a research team here at Family Church that's looking into all of these things. I'm interested in your perspective on where we are, how the protocols affect our thoughts about one day reopening. Yeah, Pastor Jimmy, it really is. It's fascinating for us to think about. And it's fascinating to hear other people kind of pontificate about what they think is going to happen because there's a lot of different theories and there are a lot of different kind of ways that people are thinking about this. And we're not alone. We have some things that we're learning from other countries in Southeast Asia, especially in parts of Europe are starting to experiment with reopening. But honestly, it's gone pretty rough for them. Like they reopened? Countries, and they've pulled it back like pretty quick. Yeah. yeah, that's right. They pulled it back pretty quick. And so I think you're right. We're having to think about Part of the research that we're doing now is how do we get better at what we're doing right now? Because we're probably going to be doing it for quite a bit longer. All right. So as we think about that, Leslie, I'm curious as your thoughts, because you oversee a lot of our mechanisms by which we're delivering content right now. But if we're able to reopen, like some places are going to reopen, what do you think that's going to feel like for our church? Yeah, I think it's going to feel substantially different than what we're used to. And so we're going to have to think that through. And I do think we need to begin to think about that as a church, because I do think people have a desire to get back together. So they do want to see each other again. They do want to be in contact of some sort. I don't even care if you have to social distance. It really is nice to see some of your friends and some of the people that you're used to seeing your church family again. Mm -hmm. So I do think there will be the desire for that. So then the question is, how do we do that? And then from our perspective, in terms of content, how will we continue to deliver good online content while we also now have in-person gatherings happening? And how do we do both really well? So that's going to be a challenge that we're going to have to take on pretty soon. And I know, Derek, you've had some thoughts about this. I mean, we are a multi-site environment. So, you know, I do think that smaller churches have an advantage here over larger churches, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I mean, the the ability to have neighborhood church and to have some buildings that people can come through, even those gatherings look different. That's where we're going to probably start whenever we start to do that is start. How do we gather even groups, even if it's not for worship, even if it's just for Bible studies or equipping classes or whatever we're trying to do, but to get people together. I know some guys out there are worried that people aren't going to come back to church ever. They're going to, the online experience is going to replace the face-to-face gatherings. But one of the things that we believe theologically is that God has hardwired us and designed us for connection and human connection. I'm not worried about that. I just think how we do it is it's going to be a really fascinating thing to look at over the next several weeks and months. Yeah. And so when we think about going back, so you talked about how smaller churches have an advantage. Talk about some reasons why that would be. Well, I mean, just the the numbers, right? I mean, so there are a lot of different models for how we get back to some degree of normal, but all of them agree around one thing that is probably going to see a much more protracted kind of reversal of how all of this happened. You know, if you think about, you go back five or six weeks ago, um, the restrictions were around gatherings of a thousand or less or a thousand or more. And then it very quickly went to 250 and Mm -hmm. then very quickly went to 50 and then it was 10. Like a matter of days. It was was like 10 days (laughs) between those guidelines. And 
what everybody's saying is that it's going to be the reverse of that, but it's going to take much longer. And so there's several different, maybe in the show notes, we can link to some of the models and things that we're looking at, but you're probably looking at several months in between each one of those triggers, but a neighborhood church with a neighborhood pastor, a smaller church, we can gather, you know, 50 or maybe a hundred people in a room and they've, maybe they've got a little extra space and they've got a big enough area to put some kids around. I think people will be much more comfortable with that, especially as we're learning how to be more comfortable doing social distancing and having conversations and not being raw up, you know, I still like shaking hands with people, but I mean, I haven't shaken a hand in probably five or six weeks and it feels weird, but we will get accustomed to it. And I think that's what our gatherings are probably going to look like moving forward. Yeah. So I'm really interested in that too. So I, I wonder if we're, you know, as we're in these conversations, what are our markers? So I know that the government has like rolled out kind of this very vague three-stage mm-hmm. kind of way that you can roll out different things. It doesn't have a lot of specificity. I wonder who are our peer institutions or our peer gatherings that we're going to look to instruct us in when it's safe or right or culturally acceptable for us to try to regather. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we're thinking about that now, like for our summer programming, like how do you plan for the summer? Because all of us have different activities and events and things that you want to use the summer for, especially in the next generation world. So your kids and student ministries, whether you do vacation Bible school or kids camp or student camps or mission trips and all those decisions are really tough. You know, I think we're probably looking towards what are the little leagues doing? What's Disney World doing? What are certainly the parks and the beaches? What are the cultural institutions around us that have a similar kind of understanding and similar kind of clientele? What are those institutions doing? So those are some of the people that we're probably looking towards to make not only make our decisions about what is safe and right, but what will people actually do? I think that that is, I mean, that's such a big factor in where we are today is the social pressure to do what's the right thing, you know, that we're supposed to be doing. So we want to be keeping people safe. We don't want to be putting people at risk. And so there's the science and there's the, you know, official data that comes out, which seems a little bit vague and some people aren't sure how to interpret it or they misinterpret it. And then, so that all seems like a little bit of a hot mess to me, but then there's just the social pressure of what everybody else is doing. And so you find yourself feeling like we need to be in step with what other people are, the decisions that they're making. So I do think that that's where we'll be. That's a great point, What are other churches doing? Like Derek just said, what's happening out there as a church? We have to be sensitive to that and we want to be a part of that. So we don't want to say, oh, we're not going to gather anymore when everybody else is gathering because now we're going to be out of step with the rest of the culture. And we want to be meeting people's needs for fellowship, for spiritual growth, for just being the church. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I read two articles last night, both in like highly reputable, you know, news organizations. One of them said, there's substantial research to say that the virus is severely impacted by heat and humidity. And the other one said that it's not. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, well, if the virus is, is very impacted by heat and humidity. We go to camp in Central Florida, so we ought to send everybody to Central yeah, Florida. They have that's, no all shot. They, that's all they've, that's all they've got. Yeah. If, it's negative, if the virus is negatively impacted by mosquitoes and gnats. <laughs> We've got a camp for you. We've got a virus killing camp available. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's part of what we have to consider. So there's this you know, taking the best information that we can, which really we're just going to take our direction from the CDC and the governing authorities. Even if we want to assert that we have a First Amendment right together, we're not going to do that until the governing authorities kind of say, yeah, there's a consensus that this would be safe. And then we're also not going to do it until there's a cultural consensus that we will show up. 
And so that's kind of the whole thing. So like, I can't imagine us having student camp, for instance, if Disney World's closed. Yeah, absolutely. We had no shot. So if you can't go to Disney World, I doubt you're going to student camp, even if it was somehow legally permissible. I don't, you know, we're going to take our cues from the public schools. What are they doing? Now that's the public schools in Florida are shut down through the end of this school year. I'm sure they're planning on reopening August the 10th, but we'll see in August whether or not that's actually happening. And it is going to be curious to see whether teachers, administrators, and students will show up on August the 10th because, boy, if this virus hasn't really changed. But right now, doesn't it feel to you guys like we're on a kind of a a downward trend in terms of new cases, hospitalizations, and deaths? Isn't that where we're at in Florida? It seems to be. Oh, for sure, I think. And even the fact that we're having this conversation and not a conversation about you know, how do we train more deacons and lay leaders how to do funerals and right, more right. hospital, you know, we're starting now to to think about what does the horizon look like? Yeah, I mean, the good news is at this point in Florida, and I don't think in New York either, really, we've not run out of hospital beds, doesn't look like we're going to. We've not run out of ICU facilities, doesn't look like we're going to. We've not run out of ventilators, doesn't look like we're going to. So the original kind of things we were worried about seems to have been addressed And so now we're kind of like, how are we going to reopen real life? One of the other things that I've been thinking about is if we reopen and we reopen in our smaller campuses first, what does the first gathering look like, Derek, in your mind? Do we have like church, Sunday school, nursery, children's activity? Like, what do we do? Great question. I I think it looks very limited. I think it looks probably like some of the things we were thinking about. If you go back four or five, five or six weeks ago, we were thinking – to that Sunday that we we made a decision, yeah, let's go ahead and cancel or suspend our in-person gatherings. But one of the things we were thinking of there is maybe we gather, we don't have small groups. Maybe we don't have food out. Maybe there's some things that we can do. It's probably going to look a lot like that. We're probably going to gather just for worship. We probably won't, may or may not have childcare, may or may not have small groups. And I think we're just going to have to ease back into a different kind of a normal for a while. All right. So Leslie, if you had to guess, Ooh. if you had to guess. <laughs> When do you think the churches in our area, so that would be us, Christ Fellowship, some other peer churches, Journey Church and others, when do you think we will say, hey, this is the Sunday we open back up, if you had to guess? What's the first Sunday in June? I don't know the date off the but top that's of when my you head, think. First but I'm going to say the June. first Sunday in June. Derek. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know. I think I think campuses that can run 250 or less will start meeting sometime between the 4th of July and, and Labor Day. All right, that's what I think too. I think I think after school starts. Always pessimistic. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) Leslie, you sugarcoat. (laughs) I sourcoat. Derek meets in the middle somewhere. The happy medium. All right, so I I do think that's and that's one of the difficulties for planning because people are saying, you know, we need to start planning for what it looks like to open up, and it's really hard to figure out how to do that. But I do think we need to go ahead and, all right, so they issued these guidelines last week. Then we need to look at those really carefully. How do we sort of interpret them in some kind of realistic framework and begin to think about what does it look like to open up? There may be some areas of the country that are different from here, too, because there may be some more heartlandish rural areas where people may just not really give a rip. They're not required to wear masks. They think the whole thing's stupid. They don't really know anybody who's had it. And they may all go right, literally go right back to church with 100 people or 150 people and literally not do one single thing different than they were doing before. Whereas in more urban areas or kind of more blue state or blue city areas, it may take quite a bit longer. Do you have any thoughts about that, Derek? Because you're from Kansas. 
I'm curious if you have a feeling about how that would go in Kansas. Yeah, let's just say let's say the heartland in general, right? Let's not let's not let's say one one state. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think even parts of you know Central Florida. I think there's still a couple of counties in Florida, several counties in Florida that only have one or two cases, and so. Yeah, I think for a lot of churches, they're probably going to be able to resume a sense of normalcy. They're going to snap back. They're, they're going to go back really quick. And then I also think some some churches like us, for example, and, and churches in South Florida that have a lot of international travel in between them and more densely populated areas, even when we go back, it probably won't be for good. We'll probably have to come back to this or some form of social distancing, some form of scattered gatherings again. And so... Well, I do agree with that. I mean, if even if we can gather again, I do think that idea that we're going to be going back and forth between this, where we are today, and, you know, what's normal, I don't, A, there's not going to be, we're going to have a new right. normal. So, but at the same time, I think, you know, the schools will shut down again. And the thing with public school system is you don't shut down a class, you shut down the whole thing because everything has to be, you know, equal. So you can't just say, oh, this class, there was a case, so let's send them home. They're going to shut down the whole school system again. So there's where it gets a little bit tricky because we've lived through this with hurricanes in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had hurricanes and everything else is pretty much ready to go, but not every school can reopen. And so you, you have to make a decision now. Okay, school's still not back, but we could reopen. So how long, you know, so it, it gets a little bit gray, I think, mm-hmm. when you think about all of these yeah. factors. Yeah, so. and this could be just like that. I do think five years from now, I think it's highly likely five years from now, everything's back to normal. I think five years from now, we'll be exchanging hugs and handshakes and putting our arms around each other and singing Kumbaya mm-hmm. and having big leadership rallies. But I think between here and there, it could be a year or more before we're able to fully open up small groups, nurseries, everything. And then I think it could be another year or two before people really on a large scale feel comfortable and enthusiastic about piling in there and being a part of it. And I think a lot of that comes with we're either going to have to have some kind of a treatment for or vaccine for the virus or the virus could burn itself out. It could or we could just decide as a society, we're going to manage a higher tolerance for our risk for the virus. And I actually think the last one is the most likely that at some point we just say this is part of the landscape now and we figure out strategies for mitigating and dealing with it. I don't think in the United States of America, people are going to be wearing masks for the rest of my life. I don't think we're going to not shake hands or hug for the rest of my life. I just don't think people are going to do it. No, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) We're a little more fiercely independent than that, I think. (laughs) Yeah. And so anyway, look, this is kind of a crazy subject to even talk about. I don't know if this has been helpful for you, but I hope that every church of every size is taking the resources you have and you're thinking and at least having conversations with your key leaders about what this could look like to reopen. I think in many areas, if you're thinking you're going to reopen and it's going to feel a lot like it did eight weeks ago, I think you're kidding yourself. Think about masks, distancing, smaller gatherings, contactless church services and gatherings, It is going to be completely different. We've all got to be ready for it. But you can do it because we are God's church. God's church is not going to fall apart. We are the outpost for God on this earth. We have his sanction. We have his mission. We have his commission. We are empowered and authorized 
Jesus Christ is still crucified. He's still raised from the dead. He's still coming again. Until then, we take the resources we have. We take the ideas and strategies that we have. We do the best we can for the Lord, and you can do it, and we believe in you. Let us hear from you if there's any way we can help. God bless. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.